It's been a great week uh, for us. We've had a lot of, as Claire said, the baby didn't come this week, but uh, that's, that just makes things great. But we've had a fun week um, for a lot of reasons. Last night we had a fire at our house. Don't, don't get nervous, Tom. Our insurance agent, he doesn't want to know about it. No, 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 no damage. The best part of it, though, we were watching a football game. We had our two grandsons, old, great, older grandsons with us. And Claire's like, fire, we have a fire. And um, somehow I should have tried to work this into what I was going to say. Uh, but it didn't fit, even as much as uh, preachers can stretch stuff out. I couldn't figure it out. But I just, I can't help myself. She's like, there's a fire. So, of course, the stove was being cleaned. And uh, we do that once every 10 years or so. So, so it starts fires. Anyway, she's like, there's a fire, there's a fire. And she's kind of, you know, trying to figure out what to do. I, I came over, tried to figure out what to do. And the boys, they did not move. Like, they, they did not move. Uh, we laughed at them later. We got the fire out. And uh, we laughed at them later. And started the fire again later. After we got the fire out, we thought, well, let's try it again. And started it again. And then, the, you know, everything that was in there that had to burn up was burned up. It's kind of that scriptural, right? Everything that can be consumed. So we now, we now have a, an oven that is white as snow. It's like, it's pure. It's ready for cooking. Won't get that barbecue taste at our house anymore, but you'll get other things. Probably the chemicals that we didn't spray any, no, really. What was I talking about? Oh, so the boys, so they didn't move. So Claire and I had a differing opinion. She just thought it was just inaction. I said, no, I think it's confidence in probably me <laughs> that that fire was going to be out. And they just felt like they could rest in the sweet arms of Grandpa. <laughs> probably more like Grandma. And anyway, so we're all safe. We're all good. We've had a couple of injuries this week. Claire... <laughs> Claire did, as she mentioned. I don't know she didn't mention. She's, she was not feeling well for a couple of days. She went through the COVID testing thing. She's good. But we're not hugging people so much so we can get to see our grandchild again. Because because Claire was not feeling well, we couldn't go. And then something happened to my back. And all I can say is we're getting old. So I want to talk about futuring today. <laughs> we're starting a new, starting a new series uh, today. And it's imagine. And it's, today we're going to talk about imagining the future. Jesus talked a lot about the future. We all have a future and a hope, right? So we want to talk about that. But we're going to talk about imagining. And I want you to just take a minute, a moment here. Let's just all take a moment as we enter into this series. And um, I want you to think about living a bigger life than you're living right now. Because, see, for us to live in God, the invitation is to live a bigger life than we actually think we can live, beyond our imagination. Like, there are things that you and I are invited to that we don't even fully understand what God has for us. But when you live a life in God, what it does is it moves you into places that are impossible for you and for me. So we want to talk about this whole concept of imagining. We want to start at this place, imagining the future. So right now, God, I pray for all of us that you would open our hearts, open our imagination, all of us online, everyone in the room, our children. Let uh, your dreams 
for our life, your, your desire for our lives to come to pass. I pray, God, that you would increase hope in our lives, you'd increase faith in our lives, and you would increase love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, my sweet nephew Isaac, years ago, wrote me a letter, um, and Isaac was such a beautiful encourager, and he wrote me this letter, and he was just a little guy, and, uh, you know, dear Uncle Scott, telling me what a, it was just telling me what a great uncle I was to him, and then he started listening, but the, the great line, the greatest line of the letter was, Right in the beginning, he said, Uncle Scott, you have many potentials. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I was still pretty young. So when you're told in your up to like your 30s through your 30s that you've got potential, which I think I still was then, that is really a compliment, right? It's a compliment to have a lot of potential uh, up until then. Then in your 40s, it's kind of, it's like a word of knowledge. You have potentials. Are you paying attention to your potentials? By the time you're in your 50s and up, if they're still saying you have potential, you've really been missing God because some of the potentials should be lived in by then, right? But for those of us 50 and up, I've got good news. We still do have potential, but we want to live into that, right? We want to imagine our future. So all of us have potential, that is beyond what we're living today. So that's the invitation. Now, Jesus did say a lot about the future. Um, and he would just say it, usually in the, he would talk about the future and he would describe difficulty that was going to come. For instance, in Matthew 24, there's this great uh, portion of scripture, if you're familiar with it. Matthew 24 is really about, uh, it goes through all of these different things that are going to happen in the end days, and Jesus talks about earthquakes and famines and floods and persecution and, you know, people turning on one another, all this stuff. He lists all of these different things. You can really read through it and say, wow, that sounds really horrible. But then, uh, in the Kind of near the end of that, he makes this statement, and this is what he would do. He would have these conversations with the disciples or with us or with people, and then he would make these statements. And he, in this particular scripture, Matthew 24, 25, he says, Take note, I have told you in advance. Just take note. It's coming. Problems are going to come. These things are going to happen. Just take note. In other words, bringing an assurance to the fact that you can live into your future Things are going to happen, but I'm with you. Just pay attention. Don't be surprised by difficulty. Don't be surprised when things come to the earth that are uncomfortable and difficult. Just take note. I'm with you. He says it again in John 16. It's similar. In John 16, he's talking about his own departure. um, And then also some other last days kind of types of things. And then he says... Um, in, in referencing to the future, he tells the disciples, he says, and I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Everyone say, in Jesus, I can have peace. So he says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So your future and mine is in the midst of all of that. God is bringing us to be the kind of people that create a new future for the world. That's, 
God's invitation to Christ followers. And those of us that aren't Christ followers, it's to begin to follow in that way because God has a future and a hope for all of us, right? Now, there are scriptures that are almost like a template of how to walk into our future well. And I want to look at one of those scriptures today, and we've already read through it. We're going to read it again. Ephesians, or Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, and this is what it says. It says, Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Doesn't seem like great revelation, but there's some really powerful stuff in here. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Let's read that one together. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So, Lord, help us to get what you have for us out of this scripture. So, I just want to go through this um, in, in the few minutes that we have here. And I just want to talk about each verse, what this has. And I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about your life as an individual and your future and what God may have for you. The first thing that he says here is he says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. What what Solomon is communicating here in verse 1 is to take a chance on doing good. We can miss this. So this is written a few thousand years ago probably, okay, This, this scripture. This is not like today. Like when you send something out, you ship something, it's like it's there later in the afternoon or you can track it. This is a time when they're shipping things across the sea and they don't even know fully what's on the other side or they, they, it's all being discovered and developed, right? So Solomon says here, ship your grain across the sea and after many days you may receive a return. And this is one of the initial uh, statements that that God communicates to mankind in the scripture about generous living, about being generous, not knowing if you'll get a return. But this whole thought of God wants you and I to take a chance on doing good. Ship your seed across the sea. They would watch the ship go across the horizon, and then it would disappear, and they didn't know if it was ever coming back. They had no clue. They couldn't fly to Australia in a day, right? So they are shipping this out. What, what Solomon says is trust God that if you do good, that there is this momentum that will begin to happen around you and in you in your future. Now, it says here specifically, after many days, not, it doesn't say necessarily right away, but after many days, you may receive a return. The first thing that we need to do is take a chance to live doing good. What are you doing good? What kind of seed are you shipping across the sea? You and I are, are planting seed that we are sending out every day. And what God says, and it's not just money, it's, it, it's, it's everything, it's your life. What good are you doing with your life 
that someday may bring a return of goodness. Are you doing as much good as you can? I love, uh, we just uh, packed up the stuff for Haiti, and um, I've been getting a lot of pictures from Carlo. We've been getting pictures of um, the, the areas of the earthquake and relief and personal hygiene items that are being sent by you guys. Uh, and Carlo and his team and Tom Brumley and his team, they're getting there, getting pictures of the kindergarten that we talked about, the roof going on the kindergarten. So it's really awesome, isn't it? Like on one hand, and some of us have a hard time dealing, some of us have a hard time imagining this. It's like, well, isn't everything about just getting food to the people that are in the midst of the earthquake? Well, on the other side of the island, on another part of the island, those, those kids are beginning to go to school because they weren't affected by the earthquake. So on one part of the island, we've, we've got schools being built, buildings being built, roofs being put on, kids starting school, supplies going to them. On the other side, there's humanitarian crisis, but... God's meeting them in that way. So you have shipped stuff out, and sometimes we find out exactly what happens about the goodness, right? And we give reports, but so much more is going on in your life and mine, right? So how much good are you doing? He goes on here, and he says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. I would just encourage you to just meditate on these four verses of Scripture when you talk about your future. So what he's saying here is a basic, it's a basic investment principle, right? This is not a Wall Street, this was not originally a Wall Street principle. This is a biblical principle, right? Diversify your resources. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. Diversify your human portfolio. Not just your resources, but your gifts. Diversify them, invest them in different things. You're up to different things because God is inviting you and I to live more than one life. I've said this ever since I gave my life to Christ. What I understood early on, what God showed me is that when you, first of all, when, when you, you don't really give your life to Christ, you invest your life in the kingdom of God. You invest your life. And when you invest in something, it begins to multiply. When you're investing your life in God's kingdom work, you bring yourself, the gifts God's given you, your, your intelligence, your personality, the, 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 you know, your different gifts of maybe singing or the employment you have, your career, your education, whatever it is, you bring all of those things to the table. And what, what Solomon is saying here is diversify how you utilize your life. You can live more than one life. You do realize that you are living multiple lives right now. It is possible, for instance, for me to be a good dad, a good husband, a good grandpa, a good pastor, a good leader, a good investor. You understand? I want you to think about it for a minute. What are the main roles of your life? Think about seven or eight of them. Could be mom, could be dad, could be brother, sister, could be an employee, could be an employer, could be a business owner, whatever it is. Could be a coach, a teacher, a friend, a musician. I'm a, I'm a son or a daughter, a student, a disciple, a mentor, a mentee, an athlete, a leader, a community leader. Think about seven or eight of those areas in your life and realize that you can be good at all of those. You can be great at all of those. That's the invitation. In other words, you don't have to stink at relationships and be a good employee. 
You do know that. That's what the invitation here is. Diversify your life in seven or eight, what he's really saying is as many ventures as you can. Because you are a multifaceted person living multiplied lives all at one time. You can be good at all of those things. Why not? Why can't you take more ground with all of those things? And this is where we get to this place where what we all need to realize is we're being invited to live a life that is impossible outside of God. You and I are being asked to live lives that go beyond the boundaries of our humanity. When we invite Jesus into our lives, it supercharges your life and makes impossible things possible. Things that you thought you could never be good at. When you bring them to God, he can, he can change that and transform that. And you can begin to experience things that you've never experienced. See, we think we have a capacity, and we do. But you do know that your capacity is a human capacity. But what takes you beyond your capacity is God's spirit in your life and mine. Don't be afraid to take risks to be great at all you're putting your hand to. Do not be afraid of failure. God is not afraid of you failing. Some of the most powerful stories throughout Scripture and history are people who did huge failure. But they ran through the shadow of the failure courageously and allowed God to transform their life and multiply it into what he desires. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come on the land. Again, it, it, it may come on the land, but you're going to be ready for it. Don't be surprised. He goes on in verse 3, he says, If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Look at somebody around you and just say, let your life rain. Let it rain. Let it rain, baby. Let your life rain. Rain Man, what was that movie? Long Came Polly. That's different than what I'm talking about. But anyway, it was funny. Now, this is no revelation to us that rain comes because clouds are full of water. Maybe it is a revelation for some of us. Not all clouds rain. What he's saying here is if clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. The invitation, and Samuel talked about it last week, whatever is in us comes out of us. The invitation here is let it rain. Let your life rain. Let it rain the things that God has given to you. This is maybe a better thing to look at somebody around you and tell them you're full of it. You are full of it. You're full of something, right? You're full of it. Let it rain. It's raining. Whatever you're full of is raining. You're raining on people. The invitation here is not to let acid rain be the the thing that's coming out of you. Bitterness and jealousy and anger and unforgiveness and racism and fear and guilt and shame and greed. It's acid rain. It burns everything that it falls upon. The invitation here is to let it rain. And then there's the people that they're just, the scripture describes them as they're clouds without water. The brother of Jesus, Jude, he says in verse 12 of the book he wrote, he says, these people are blemishes at love feasts, 
eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who only feed themselves, they're clouds without rain. They blow along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit, they are uprooted, twice dead. Let it rain, baby, but let it rain good stuff. Let it rain what God has planted in you. That's the invitation here. Let forgiveness rain from your life. Let generosity rain from your life. Let faith rain from your life. Let hope rain from your life. Let love rain from your life. So how does that rain out of your life and mine? Is you fill yourself up with it. You fill yourself up with it. Jesus said it, as Samuel said last week, and if you missed his talk, make sure you listen to it. What comes out of us, what rains out of us, the rain that makes a difference in the world for God's glory is when we allow God's goodness and all that God supplies for us into our lives. Trees fall where they're meant to fall. That's, that's just all about intention. I, I'm going to skip the rest of that, but just understand this. When he talks about trees falling either to the north or to the south, sometimes we say, how did I get here? And listen, things happen to all of us that were out of our control, but most of what happens to all of us has been because we have cut trees in a direction and it's left a mark on our life. The reason our life comes to certain places is because we've cut trees in a certain direction. And to move into our future, we need to cut trees in the direction that God would want us to cut trees. Does it make sense? And where they fall, it leaves a mark. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have my wife and my family have to lie about me at a funeral. You ever been at one of those? You're sitting there and you're like, it's not the guy I knew. And it's like, God bless everybody trying to make it sound better than it really was. Let it rain. And the fourth thing he talks about here is whoever watches the wind will not plant. And whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. You know, for the first 18 years of my life, I didn't give my life to Jesus. And this was why. Because I was looking at the wind, and I was looking at the clouds, and it just didn't seem like a good time. And I was refusing the opportunity that was in front of me every day for the first 18 years of my life. Thank God I finally responded to that. But Solomon is saying here, see the opportunity that is now. Jot these three things down when talking about, I'm going to talk about this later, but I want you to jot these three things down real quick, talking about seeing the opportunity that is now. The first thing is refuse to be left behind. The disciples, when Jesus invited them to follow him, they had to follow. They could have stayed. Some people didn't follow. They stayed at the nets. So refuse to be left behind. When Jesus invites you to do something, move into the future that he has for you, as crazy as it may be. Secondly, refuse to stay in mediocrity. Know this, that today's breakthrough and revelation is tomorrow's mediocrity in your life and mine. This is the principle of John chapter 6. When Jesus starts to talk about you have to, he tells the disciples, which at that point it's more than 12. There's a multiplied number of disciples, John chapter 6. And he's, it's, 
he says, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it's kind of crazy what he's saying. And he goes on and he talks about what that means, basically partaking in the life that he calls you to. And sometimes it's hard, isn't it? He, he's not denying that. Essentially, that's what he's saying. That sometimes, over the last 20 months or so, have you been invited by Jesus at all to do some things that were, you knew was God, but it was really hard to do? Really hard to do. If you stay in that place, what you do is you accept mediocrity. So that's where Peter says, Jesus says, uh, well, what happens in the exchange is a bunch of the disciples are leaving. It's, it's noticed by a handful of disciples. Jesus says to Peter and the guys, he says, hey, you guys going to leave too? Because these are hard things. They say it. They say, this is hard stuff you're asking us to do. And Peter says, where else are we going to go? For in you, you have the words of life. So the people that stayed stuck in the mediocrity, the day before that, there's miracles happening, and that's revelation to them. The next day, they're stuck in their mediocrity, and Jesus keeps on moving forward. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose a life of mediocrity, or are you going to have enough boldness and courage? Am I going to have enough boldness and courage to say, I'm going where Jesus is going? I don't know about anything else. I know it's hard, but in Jesus are the words of life. And thirdly, the thing under here is refuse to not be pulled into your future. I don't know if you have people around you that pull you into your future, my wife is relentless at pulling me into the future and other people around me. And I love it and I hate it. It's like, really? Like there's times Claire will be like, why are you here? Why did, did, didn't you really feel? I'm like, because you kind of pulled me here. That's why I'm here. And then I'll look back on it and say, that was an invitation of God. Do you have people that are pulling you into your future, that are not letting you live stuck? Because God has a future and a hope for all of us. What we experienced yesterday and 10 years ago, that's set. But God has given us all gifts and a life to invest in God's kingdom. So will you embrace the opportunity that is now? For some of you, it might be you need to give your life to Christ. You need to accept the love that Jesus has, and forgiveness that Jesus has already offered. That would be a great place for you to start. For some, the invitation might be for things of serving or giving. Will you say, I'll do that another day, a different time? Or will you be like, Peter, and some of the other disciples that in the midst of failing and fumbling and stumbling still stayed in the pursuit. We all have opportunities now. They are coming right now in our lives. We'll have opportunities before we walk out the door today to connect, to bless somebody, to encourage somebody. I want to challenge you. I want you, I, I would love for all of us to write down seven or eight roles in our life. Think about your life. Just roles that you have, you live in. You're a mom, you're a dad, whatever. You're an employee, your work, you're, you're a musician. 
you're an educator. List them, seven and eight. And I want you to bring that before God this week and say, you know what? I'm going to believe for the miraculous for my life. I'm going to believe I can be a lot better dad than I am. I'm going to believe for some of you, you know that God has made you the kind of person that can create and generate wealth. You know it. And you have been timid about saying, you know what, God, I'm bringing this to you and I'm going to believe for you to do the miraculous with me in that area. And the enemy comes in like a flood and is trying to thwart this in our lives, brings sickness and injury and confusion and difficulty. Remember, Jesus says, take heart. This stuff comes. Be at peace. Move into your future. I am with you. And this week, let's begin to pray for one another that we can begin to fully live into these seven or eight characteristics of our life and begin to cheer one another on for the future God has for each one of us. Amen? Amen. And I forgot my microphone. Will you guys um, get your communion elements ready? Because this is a, you know, it's beautiful that we have opportunities to break bread and kind of seal whatever it is God's been speaking to you in this moment. In these, actually, the the questions at the end, Ron, if we could take a look at those. So every week um, we write questions for conversation with a spiritual friend, get together with a spiritual friend. They're always on our website, but if you don't, you don't go on our website, I encourage you to, but if, you know, you just want to take a picture, you can. But one of the questions that you had today, um, Scott, really struck me was, what do you want to be remembered for? And um, that this reminds me of the table, the word remember. Like, what do you want to be remembered for? What did Jesus want to be remembered for when he said, remember me? What do you want to be remembered for? Um, when we were young, God gave us a word, you will not be a loaf for one. You will be broken for many things. And, you know, we didn't know what that meant. We didn't, you know, it was kind of like, what does that mean? You know, like, okay, it's not going to be a loaf for one. We're going to be broken for many things. And when you talk about the seven or eight, think, you know, what, what is it that we want to be remembered for in our life with Christ? What is it that we want to be remembered for in the way that we knew Christ, in the way that we learned from Christ, in the way that we were challenged? And, and um, what do we want to be remembered for? And thanks, Matt. He, you guys, just give thanks for Matt. One of the things Matt will be remembered for is that he's had to find my microphone for 30 years. You can't believe all the places he's found this microphone. Right, right, Matt? True story. And, um, and so, you know, we, we just know that there are gifts and, and ways that God has made our brain, made our way of being in the world. And, and I can give you that back now. Thanks. And I want to invite us today, as we're holding the bread, to say, do I want to be a loaf of one, or would I like to be broken for many things? When Jesus said, you know, remember me, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it, gave thanks. 
and said, take this, all of you, eat it. This is my body given for you. And every time you eat it, remember me. He's saying, remember that I was broken for many things, you know. Take a breath about that. The things that God was broken for, for us. We, we were talking about the healing in your body the other day because this thing that happened with your back, I said, we were in prayer yesterday morning. I said, isn't it great that you can look right back at that crazy healing you got? That like nobody could have done that but Jesus healing you got. And so it's really wonderful to have a frame of reference of God being broken for you for that healing. You know, I mean, have you ever been forgiven for something that you thought you could never be forgiven for? And that, you know, Jesus was broken for that forgiveness so that you could be that person who would be broken for many things. And that broken person doesn't mean that you're a broken, like you're flawed. It means you've been broken and given and given and given and given. I, wanna, I want us today to remember that Jesus was broken for us and asked us to remember so that we would want to be remembered in the same way. And so together, will you just hold that bread and consider what Jesus was broken for, for you? And in whatever way you want to say to God, I remember you. Can you say, Jesus, I remember you? And then say, God, help me be remembered for the things that matter and last and heal and forgive and bring provision, whatever it is. And together we remember you, Jesus. After supper was ended, Jesus took the cup. Why don't we lift it up? He gave thanks. Can we all just say thank you, Jesus? Thank you for the cup of the new covenant. This blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you come together, remember me. And Jesus, we can't even imagine the people that you want us to bring the new covenant to. There may be seven or eight different ways. But your, your life was poured out to teach us how to pour it out. And together, friends, can we say, Jesus, we remember you. And think about the ways that Christ's life has been poured out for you. Just consider it for a moment, what's been done for you. Humble yourself here. Remember what's been done for you. And 
then, Jesus, as we partake at your table right here with this cup, asking you to be our vision, to show how we can pour our lives out. Be our vision. Be thou our vision, O God. Let us not be people who look at the winds and the waves and that we look to you, that you would be our vision, that we'd be remembered for being poured out people. And so together, we take the cup. And say, Jesus, we remember you.
Amen. Amen. Great stuff, bro. Beautiful. Great stuff. So I want to pray for everybody today. I want to pray that our lives are given out, poured out. That would we would reign love and life. That we would sow goodness and peace and mercy and forgiveness and grace and loving kindness. Lord, we pray that you would let our lives reign, not acid rain, but healthy, fruitful, life-giving rain. God, pray for my friends today. I pray that they would have the courage to open up in every aspect of their life, every aspect, that they would be an offering unto you this day. We speak blessing on them and their children and their children's children. We speak healing for those who need healing. We thank you, God, for your word. We pray that you would cause it to multiply in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.